still having problems, Chris.
worship you, Lord. You are awesome in this place, mighty God. Just worship the Lord tonight. And the honor. Lord, I lift my hands in worship. Yes. As I magnify your name. Because you deserve the glory. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, Lord, I lift 
Somebody giving the praise tonight. Come on, clap your hands and worship him tonight.
Amen, amen. I appreciate the spirit of the Lord that we have with us here tonight. Amen. He is great. Amen. God is good. And all the time, let's give him one more hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. And uh, some of our regulars are not here. Uh, miss them, but we welcome you that are watching by means of the live stream tonight. And the presence of the Lord is definitely in our midst, and I hope that you can worship with us there wherever you may be at home. Hallelujah. But we're just so thankful and praise the blessings of, of God. Hallelujah. We want to go to God in prayer tonight and seek his face. Uh, it's a blessing that we have under this new covenant. That we can boldly, the Bible says, approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy to find help in the time of need. And that we know that he hears us according to his word if we ask through faith. Hallelujah. So um, we are going to uh, do that right now. Uh, I'd like for everybody to remember um, our first lady in, in prayer. She went um, and had a... Uh, um, MRI done on her shoulder yesterday um, because she has been suffering greatly um, with that issue on that left side going all the way back for years from that accident and I took her back to the doctor tomorrow and they will um, uh, see what the issue is and what they think they uh, need to do about it but we just want to believe God that uh, he mentioned possibility of Rover Cup, but we're going to believe that uh, uh, there won't have to be no kind of surgery because we've been looking up on it. And that Rotary Cup surgery is pretty rough. Uh, and uh, uh, so we're just going to believe the Lord uh, for um, uh, a, a better solution. Amen? And so, uh, but we, I'll be taking her back tomorrow. Uh, so we just remember her in prayer. Oh, excuse me, Friday. I keep saying uh, <laughs> it's Friday she'll be going back, yes, amen, uh, to find out what that is. Anybody else have a special prayer request tonight? God. So we're going, all right, we want to remember Sister Margie. Uh, she's not with us tonight and she is sick as he, the request he made. Remember her and then their son-in-law uh, continue to pray for him that uh, he will improve 
from the surgery he had, and they won't have to have, do a retake whatsoever. We're going to pray for God just to touch it completely. So remember that. Anybody else got a prayer request tonight? All right, we want to remember Sister Tina in prayer. She has texted in for our prayer request. She's usually here on Wednesday night, and so let's pray for her that God will touch her uh, body and give her healing tonight. Amen. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Let's pray for this nation. Um, we, we need something done by the presence of the Lord. Yes. All right. All right. Let's remember Sister Kathy in that situation. God can handle that as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Any unspoken requests tonight by an uplifted hand? Yes, there's several people have the prayer request. And uh, uh, you at home, we pray for you as well. And you pray for us in our uh, uh, lesson tonight. And uh, we also will bless uh, our offering that we receive um, here and uh, after we get through praying for that. Let's bow our heads and bless God. Father, we come to you tonight. We thank you and praise you because we know you are an almighty God. You're all caring. There's nothing impossible with you. Word of God says your mercies are new every day. That means your mercy don't ever wear out or run out. Hallelujah. And I thank you for that, Lord. And you heard the prayer request tonight. There's all kinds of prayer requests, people needing help, needing a touch in various different ways. You've seen the hands was raised for the unspoken requests, Lord. And you know about those as well. So, God, we put all these requests in your hands tonight, knowing and believing that you care for our needs. You're care, you care about what we care about, Lord. And so we put it in your hands right now. Bless the offering that we're going to receive as well tonight. Bless everyone that's come out, those that are sick, couldn't be here. Bless us as we get into the study of your word in just a few minutes, and we give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the church say, Amen. God bless you. Amen. We love you. Lord, greet one another in Jesus' name. Soon and very soon We are going to see the King Soon and very soon We are going to see the King Soon and very soon We are going to see the King Hallelujah, hallelujah we're going to see the King. No more sorrow there. We are going to see the King. No more sorrow there. <coughs> going to see the King. No more sorrow there. 
We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Yes, we are. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. No more dying there. We are going to see the King. Hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the King. Glory. the Lord. God is good all the time. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. We are thankful that we can gather in his house this evening. Uh, We finished up our study on angels and uh, I didn't want to um, um, begin a, a a new um, series of studies since we won't be having service next week. Uh, we're going to be, I'm going to be in Louisville, Kentucky at the AWCF convention. Brother uh, Douglas and them will be as well. And then we got some other, other of our folks that are going to be um, out of town. So I thought I would uh, do just uh, go back to something that I've done a lot that I call Spotlight on Scripture. <coughs> but when I got into this, I told uh, Sister Darlene at the house, I said, I said I'm gonna, I ain't going to be able to con- continue this. I'm going to have to continue this. I ain't going to be able to cover it all tonight um, to get into more detail than what um, I was expecting. So we'll get a, a partial way tonight, and I don't know how long it will take us, but we're, we're going to follow it through. Uh, so we covered the whole thing. Get Brother Douglas to pass out the uh, handout sheets there, where we got our commentary wrote down. Our spotlight on Scripture that we're spotlighting is Psalms chapter one, verse seven. For those of you watching on online, Psalms chapter one, verse seven. And it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, There are several things that the church has to deal with today that we used to not have to deal with. 
some things that we would always take for granted, I guess. But now you can't take anything for granted any longer. Uh, they say the aliens are coming. I think they done got here because the way some people think, I don't know how they're over this hill. I think they got to be somewhere else. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I have to, uh, you know, we have to do things different than what we've always done. One of the issues is that really concerns me uh, is, you know, and I, is people having or people losing the reverence and respect of the Lord. And this has been in my spirit for a long time. If you recall last Sunday in my message, I talked about people not having any, any dignity no longer. Uh, this is kind of connected to that because one reason why people don't have any dignity is that they don't have respect for themselves, God, the house of God, or nobody. Amen. It's the truth. And people say, well, is this important? It's very much important. Uh, if we want to have an assembly where the anointing of God flows like it like it does here with us. Uh, and we're going to get into this, and we're going to talk about this. And Psalmist David said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Okay, let's get into our <coughs> commentary handout I've given you, the introduction. A frequent command given to God's people in the Old Testament is to fear God or fear the Lord. It's important that we understand what that meant under the Old Covenant. <coughs> Excuse me, I got a little tickle in my throat. And what this command means for Christ followers under the New Covenant today. We want to talk about what was the fear of the Lord <coughs> under the Old Testament and how does that relate to us under the new covenant? Many people falsely believe that fearing God has no place in the church. Did you know a lot of people feel that way? And I've heard people say, well, you know, we don't have to worry about fearing God no more. I mean, because, you know, it's just all about his love. You're going to get yourself in trouble. God is God. He is love. But uh, he's also a God of justice as well. And um, a lot of people, though, think that fear has no place uh, in the New Testament uh, economy. Uh, but only, and listen to this close, only as we truly fear the Lord Will we be freed from all destructive and satanic fears? In other words, people who don't have a fear of God are going to be uh, more affected by other fears and especially satanic fears. If you have a healthy, true fear of God, you're not going to fear nothing else. Amen. 
my, my relationship between me and Christ and the fear that I have on him, the devil can hang it up. He, the devil can say, boo at me all you want, and I'll laugh at him. Hallelujah, because I know who I am in Christ. Anybody else know who you are in Christ here tonight? I understand and know the greater is he that's within me than what? He that's within the world. So we, uh, as we truly fear the Lord, we become free <coughs> from a lot of other kind of fears. By fearing God, we can avoid also being trapped by the natural pull toward going our own way, defying God, and giving in to the inviting ways of immoral behavior. And don't try to deny it. If you are human flesh, then you've got a built-in tendency that likes you to go your own way sometimes. Do your own thing. Amen. Uh, and the greater you have a fear of God, the less that's going to happen. Amen. It avoids you by being trapped by the natural pull, going of our own way. Okay, so now let's talk about fear, the word fear itself. The word fear is typically used in a negative concept. When we are afraid of something, it's used because that particular something is bad or negative in some way. I pretty much went, walked straight now. Every, every now and then I strayed and I paid for it. But when I was going to school, back in my day, we had something that they, they need in the school system today. But that, that guy or, or woman, whichever the case may be, that was the principal of the school, had something in their office that was about this long and it had holes in it. <laughs> I had a fear of that. I had a fear of that. Uh, and it, it usually, I said usually, kept me on the straight and narrow. I did stray a few times and uh, I had the, uh, the seed of knowledge worked on me. He <laughs> didn't buy that. But it wasn't, only, it wasn't only that. I feared that was in the principal office. I also feared what my daddy always told me. He said, you get a whooping at school, you're going to get another when you get home, boy, when I find out about it. Nowadays, if they did, uh, and that's one reason why they stopped corporal punishment in schools because they've got to, they got to fight the parents and every cousin, about a dozen in the family, <laughs> uh, you know, but... Uh, like I said, we're living in a different day. We're living in a different hour. Amen. So, fear is typically uh, a negative concept. Uh, but what about when we are talking about the fear of the Lord? Because God isn't bad or negative. We know God is a good God. Amen. He is our Heavenly Father, our Creator who loves us and who made each of us in his image. So why are we supposed to fear the Lord? Now let's talk about on two aspects of this. For the unbeliever, the fear of God is a fear of the judgment of God in eternal death. Amen. 
So for the sinner or the unbeliever, the unborn, uh, those who have not been born again, for those people, the fear of God is a fear of judgment and eternal death. For the believer, the fear of God is something much, much different because the Bible says in Romans 8 and 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. No condemnation. We don't have to worry about judgment or being condemned. If we're in Christ and we walk after the what? Spirit and not according to the flesh. So there's a, when we talk about the fear of God, it's a difference between the kind of fear a believer has and the kind of fear an unbeliever has. So the believer's fear is this, reverence, awe, and respect of God. When we talk about having fear, the fear of God, I ain't talking about we're going to be well, living in terror because he's my heavenly father. What we're going to do is respect him. Amen. Um, as I begin to get older uh, and uh, more full of myself, and my uh, and my earthly father was getting up in age. He uh, he was uh, he was fifty four years old when I was born. So uh, I come along later in life for my mom and dad. And so, time I got up, begin to get into teens, you know, he was beginning to get feeble. He had, uh, had bad arthritis in his hands. He couldn't close them. That's about what they looked like. And uh, I began to get full of myself. You know, I, I had thoughts. Well, you know, I think I could, I, I, I could probably handle him if I wanted to, but ain't no way I would try. Why? Because I respected him. My love for him brought about respect. And 15 or 16 year old, if he still thought the need to give me a spanking, I'd take it. Amen. And that's the same thing I'm talking about, church, between us and God, about fearing God. We don't live in terror of our Father, but we respect him. We have reverence of him. We stand in awe. Oh, I feel his presence right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. I got it printed in a commentary here. You hand out. <clears throat> Hebrews 12 and 28 for those that are following us online. Notice what it says. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Amen. That is the criteria of what we're talking about. Now, I've got that same scripture printed in the Bible in basic English. Listen to how that reads. If then we have a kingdom which will never be moved, let us have grace 
that we may give God such as is pleasing to him with fear and respect. Amen. So, this kind of godly fear is very much still active in the new covenant uh, relationship today. Now, our spotlight verse in Psalms 1 and 7 declares, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Until we understand who God is, and i got that highlighted here, this, this is all linked together with it. Until we understand who God is and develop a reverential fear or respect of him, we cannot have true wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, knowledge and wisdom. But we can't have that unless we understand who God is and we have that reverential fear and respect of him. True wisdom comes only from understanding who God is and that he is holy, just, and righteous. And because his ways are higher, and somebody here, get me Isaiah 55 and 9, if you don't mind. I want you to read that. We got to understand as we're talking about the fear of God and the reverence and respect we have for him, we do that because we know who he is. He's our creator. He's our father. Just like I told you how I love and respect my earthly father, it's the same way with our heavenly father. Well, when we talk about our heavenly father, his ways are higher than our ways. Isaiah 55 and 9, what's that say? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than you thought, your thoughts. Don't you think that demands a respect? Amen. A awe and a fear. See, that's what's all linked together and why we, we have, have that. And because his ways are higher than our ways, our total life and being of existence should continually stand in awe and respect of him. And sadly, we don't see that too much today, even in some church circles. Amen. I mean, you can tell by somebody's action, by somebody's talk, even sometimes by their dress and by their mannerisms and all that kind of stuff, you can tell how much they respect and fear God. Amen. If you have res true respect and fear God, you're going to show it. It's going to, you can't hide it. It's going to come forth. It's going to come forth. Okay, having laid that foundation, I want to first talk about respect to the sacred. Uh, before I get into the scripture and begin to read that, in keeping with that thought, the sacred, to a lot of people, there's nothing sacred anymore. Amen. Uh, look, look at our, our assembly and other churches. We spent 
a few hundred dollars putting in security cameras uh, everywhere. We have to make sure all the doors are locked, and when we leave, cut the alarm alarm on to kind of help keep things intact around here. The reason why we have to do that is because people don't hold nothing sacred anymore. I I don't think I'm an old man. I'm I'm 68. I don't I consider that old. Now when I was when I was a teenager, I thought about 68. I thought I was old, but now I don't. But I can remember when churches didn't lock their doors. They kept them unlocked, so anytime people wanted to come in and have have prayer or needed prayer, they could do so. I've walked into churches like that. I've walked into denominational churches like that. You know, Tommy Methodist churches that usually, um, you know, got the grave uh, uh, side out next door to the church and everything. And I've been their funerals and stuff. And sometimes maybe while that I'd I'd just walk in the front door and just kind of look around uh, the church and everything. They they did that back then, just about all the churches. Uh, but you can't do that no more. And that's a shame. And the reason why it's a shame is they don't even, they don't consider the house of God sacred no longer. A lot of people don't consider nothing holy and sacred. <coughs> and uh, uh, in terms of respect to the sacred, we're going to first go back again in the Old Covenant and read in Leviticus, a book that most people, they start reading and they get out of it as quick as they get into it because it's got a lot of stuff in there that, you know, simply uh, don't relate to them in this day and age. But uh, there's some things we can learn uh, by the book of Leviticus and other of those books. Leviticus 19, chapter, um, chapter 19 and verse 8. This is God, Jehovah, talking. Therefore, everyone that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. I want. I got it un, um, highlighted. Uh, God says, "People who profane the hallowed thing of the Lord, the hallowed thing, the sacred thing, the holy thing, the thing that God has set apart for something, <coughs> uh, that soul shall be cut off from among His people." Now I've got to. Uh, give you some understanding of where that's coming from. In the Old Testament, people brought animals to have animal sacrifice. And after the sacrifice was burnt, uh, people would eat and partake of the meat of the sacrifice. And God had a... Uh, uh, a speculation, I mean, I had a, had a rule, a commandment in the old law 
if you kill something and it is uh, burnt with fire, roasted, whatever, you eat from it the first day and the second day. And he said, anything that is left to the third day, you must burn it up completely and do not eat of it. Don't eat a bite of it. And then he had this verse right here, because if you do what you have done, you have profaned the hollow thing of the Lord. This, this was a sacrifice unto God. And if you don't take care of this within a certain amount of time, you profaned it, and you will be cut off uh, from God's people. So God is concerned about those things that he considers holy uh, and sacred. Uh, <coughs> on uh, the back side of your paper, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, then we would be wise to retain the knowledge that there are things God the Father has set aside as sacred and holy. This teaching is very much needed today. It's very much because we got too much of a haphazard attitude, even in Pentecostal circles. <laughs> Amen. Well, I mean, we just, we just, we like, we like to, who was that darling back in our day? Um, um, had a little ukulele and he played his song, tiptoe through the tulips, Tiny Tim. I think it's Tiny Tim, Tiny something. Yeah, well, we're kind of same thing uh, uh, with the things of God. You know, we don't we don't respect much anymore. We don't hold things uh, sacred uh, and hollow no more. But we better know, and this is a principle of God in the Old Testament, and it's a principle in the New Testament. It ain't changed. God ain't ever changed His mind. That there are things God the Father has set aside as being sacred and holy. And if we love God, then we will have a desire to please Him by respecting as sacred everything He has devoted as holy. Amen. This is one way we fear the Lord and by such gain His favor and blessings in life. Amen. We study the Word. <laughs> we are led by the Spirit. And through the Word and through being led by the Spirit, if you obey it, you're going to be guided and led into all truth to know that there's some things that God says is holy and sacred, and you better not uh, step on it. Amen. Amen. Uh, because this is one way that we show our fear of God. And by such, gain his favor and blessings in life. Now let me, uh, I feel something in my spirit right here that I don't have in your, uh, in the notes and the commentary. But talking about the favor and blessings of God. Understand this, please. This is, this is very vital. Vital. Now, we are saved 
by God's grace, not by our works. Amen? And the blood of Jesus, what he shed at Calvary, pays the debt of our sins. But listen to me. Listen to me close. You watching online, please listen to Pastor Kuda. My spirit inside me is just rumbling. I, 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 this is the, one of the main things God wants me to get across tonight. Just because you are born again don't necessarily mean that you've got the favor of God. Just because you've been born again don't mean that you're living under the blessings of God. That comes a different route. That comes a different way. <coughs> uh, we have to, to do things, to live certain ways, follow certain guidelines, if we want God to smile on us. This is one reason, and I've had people ask the question, how come we see a difference in people who claim to be Christians or who, who is, is it so-and-so not really a, a, a Christian? They've not really been born again because they, they're not having all these blessings. It, it looks like everything they, they touch turn, don't turn to gold, turns to iron. Don't mean that they're not saved. Don't mean they're not been born again. But maybe they're not lining up their life like they ought to line up according to God's word. And if you don't respect God, don't expect his favor in your life. Amen. Because we've got to do a little bit more. So... What I'm trying to say that uh, being born again does not automatically induce his favor on you. Uh, the Israelites was God's chosen people, but they, they didn't have live under his favor all the time, did they? They had a lot of problems. They had all kind of attacks by the enemy. But listen to me, every time they was studying the book of Judges, uh, I mean, it's amazing. It's one big cycle. They strengthen God, begin to sh not show respect to God as being the one true God, worshiping other gods. So God allows these attacks from enemies that wants to destroy them. God, they repent, begin to pray for help. God sends a judge. They defeat the enemy, and for a while they do good. Then they're back all over again, the same old cycle. Get this. Every time the nation of Israel was ever attacked, it's because they, was, they had lost the favor of God. Every time. We've got to strive and we've got to seek God, study His Word, and follow the leadership of the Spirit so we... Let me tell you how it is to be in God's favor. 
I can go back, I can take you through my whole life. And when I'm when I'm walking in the favor of God the most, it's during those times that God has given me things that I haven't even asked for, but he knew they was in my mind. I I began to realize that one time when um, one of Darlene's cousins <coughs> we uh, uh, we worked at the same place one time me and Floyd did Tennessee Building Products and uh, uh, somebody there was a truck driver coming there that, uh, and as I was watching them and everything and I was you know, worked in that factory, and man, I'm going to tell you what, I was, I was killing myself for $2.17 an hour. Uh, I have, uh, know what work is. They'd have those box cars come in on the back track, you open up the uh, doors, and they would be filled with fern strips, baseboard, whatever, all loose, filled completely almost to the top. You had about that much room. And I have, in the hot, hottest part of the summertime, crawled up in those things and had to hand those pieces out. Piece at a time, if your back touched the roof of the boxcar, you'd get burnt. You can imagine... Uh, I didn't have a dry thread on when I crawled out of that thing, and I did all that for two dollars and seventeen cents an hour. And I seen somebody else another job, a truck driver come in, and I said, "Man, I sure would like to be able to do that one day." A few years passed, and uh, I had uh, I was in that position. I was doing that, uh, driving driving a, a truck for uh, for BFI, and uh, and and. Floyd was driving a truck at that time uh, for another company, uh, Ogilvy or Ogles or something. Yeah. And we ran across one another in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we stopped talking. He said, you know what? He said, uh, "He said, God gave you what you wanted. I said, why? What do you mean? I didn't even think about it. He said, don't you remember we were standing in that door that day and we seen that truck coming in and you said you'd like, like to do that? And that got me to thinking. And there was a, there's been a lot of times, and even Darlene mentioned me sometimes, there's a lot of things that God has given to me. He gives you more than just supplies your needs, folks. Hallelujah. That's why we need to strive to make sure that we're under his favor. Amen. Hallelujah. So uh, I, I wanted to add that. Now, what we're going to do is talk about some of the things. We're talking about respect to the sacred, some things that God considers sacred. And number one, and this will be the only one we'll cover tonight. We'll talk about more when we meet again. But his sanctuary or house is sacred. <laughs> this is one thing that people have lost uh, and I talked about having to lock the doors and all that stuff. Well, even people who wouldn't steal anything, they come to the house of God, they don't look at God's house as being sacred. 
They look at it just being another building. And I understand some of the thoughts, but we're going to be talking about that and break it down. But be it known, God considers his sanctuary and his house sacred. Still in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 30, he said, You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I am Yahweh. I'm Jehovah. Reverence my sanctuary. Now, he was talking about their sanctuary back then. Something built by man. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. We're going to break this down. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. What house? The house that Solomon had built. The temple. Second Chronicles chapter 7, still go down to verse 16. For now I have chosen, God still talking, and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. God regarded that temple that Solomon built as sacred, as holy. And he said, he said, I'm, I'm putting my name there. Now, man, this is a beautiful thing. We, I, we, don't, we can't get into this tonight, but we're going we're gonna to bring this down to some good stuff later. Hallelujah. Now, the glorious temple built by Solomon was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar in the year 587 B.C., 587 years before the birth of Christ. That beautiful, magnificent temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And even the second temple built under the guidance of Zerubbabel was destroyed by Titus in 70 A.D., 70 years after Christ was here, the second temple. When Christ came, he established a new order. Now, right now at this time, for the Jewish people, there's, there's not a physical temple. There's fixing to be, and let me add this. I know my time's about to run out. But let me tell you, you keep your eyes open. Follow all the news you can follow about Israel because the, the greatest prophecy, Israel became a nation in four days. That was fulfilled. But the next prophecy, there's going to be a third temple. It's going to be a third temple. And they're already making plans for it in Jerusalem right now. They've got, they've got millions of dollars of stuff laid up, ready. For, for the past few years, they have been doing DNA tests of the Jews that live there to find out what Jews are from, come from the ancient tribe of Levite 
because when the temple is built, they know that according to their their law, only Levitical priesthood can operate and do the work of the temple. And they're training them. This is a prophecy of the end time because see, when that thing gets built, the Antichrist is going to put a statue of himself in there. That is the abomination of desolation, the Bible calls. Uh, and so, what I'm telling you about that, uh, keep an eye, watch out, listen for that, that third temple, because when they start hammering on that thing, putting it up, we're going to be getting out of here pretty quick. I mean, it's going to come quick. Amen. So, <laughs> when Jesus came, he established a new order not prescribed by natural means of worship and sacrifice. Everything done in the Old Testament was done naturally. It was a natural thing. Their feast and their meals and everything that they did. It's not that way. Jesus prescribed a new means of worship today. We worship in the Spirit. Amen. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He purchased and built a church. Now, that word church is ecclesia. That's what we are, the ecclesia of God. Ooh, hallelujah. Which is a spiritual body of believers who have been called out of darkness into the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. That being said, when a group of believers, listen to this now. When a group of believers dedicate a place to unite together to worship the king and declare his word, that place becomes set apart and should be considered by all as sacred and holy, just like the temple in the Old Testament. Amen. That's how come we have to have a sign up out, out there in the hallway. Please no eating and drinking in the sanctuary. This place, when God provided this, we dedicated it to him. This building, until it was dedicated, was just another building like, like the house you live in. But when the ecclesia comes in here and we dedicate this place to the worship of his name and the declaration of his word, God says this is holy, this is sacred, and you walk lightly when you come here. If you want my favor, if you want my blessing, you want my anointing, you walk lightly here. The ecclesia, God is in agreement with what the ecclesia has done. We have said, Lord, we dedicate this place for the worship of your name and the dedication uh, uh, and, and the de uh, declaring of your word. I started doing something several months back. And I still do it. I did it tonight when I got here. When I come over here, even if I come over during the week to do some work or have to meet somebody 
a worker or something. Uh, when I come over every time, I will either come in here or I will kneel in that office and I will pray to God the first thing that I do, Lord, I want to thank you for allowing me to be here in this facility one more time that you have given to us that we have dedicated for the worship of your name and the declaration of your word. And by the grace of God, as long as I'm a pastor, that's what it's going to be used for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The Apostle Paul rebuked people in the church of Corinth because of their desecrating the house of the Lord by their disrespect in their conduct in his house. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. What? What? He says, Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? And shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. The Corinthian people were some of the most carnal Christians that Apostle Paul had to deal with. I mean, they were mixed up in every kind of way you could think about. And even in in their worship, they got to where the things they were doing, they was actually desecrating the house that they had dedicated to worship God because they got to have uh, all, they brought in all kind of foods and, and feast and had um, had meals and they called it, well, I'll come in, we're having, well, you know, we're doing the Lord's Supper and I mean, but they'd have a big meal and people that were poor they couldn't bring the, I mean, they wasn't even sharing nothing. Uh, and they brought it right in the house of God. And they were eating in, in the temple. Paul said, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? What are you doing? You spies the church of God? The New Living Translation, look at the bottom of your handout. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church? That's that translation. Uh, but some people, they, it, don't, it don't bother them at all to eat, to drink, do anything they want in, in the sanctuary. It, uh, it curls my gut. <laughs> Over it, um, I, I, I don't I don't like it at all, and I, I I don't think I don't think it pleases God. Uh, and we're going to pick up at this point the next the next time, um, and uh, we're going to continue this. And like I said, I thought this was going to just be a one night thing, but. Uh, since I've gotten into it, I want to bring it out all out to the fullest. And I appreciate uh, you. Uh, yes. You're right. Thank you. 
It is Proverbs. Uh, I, 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 I printed Psalms 1 and 7. Right. Uh, you need to scratch out that Psalms 1 and 7, put Proverbs. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> there, yeah, all right. So uh, I stand corrected, yes. All right. He said, so I'm not I'm not praising it. I'm not giving you any what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is not right. All right. Well, let's all stand together. I hope that you enjoyed our study tonight. And uh, right at the very end we got things corrected. <laughs> Amen. I got a prayer request. Please remember for the church. Uh, two or three weeks ago, I came over here and the company that we have that does the yard work, uh, the guy came and told me, he says, I thought you better know, he said, there's a lot of water on the ground up there uh, on the back of the building close to that big tank and he said it looks like y'all might have a leak of some kind so I went up there and sure enough water was everywhere and um, I called uh, White House Water District uh, and because that's where we get our water from but we we have to, we're on sewage and uh, and the sewage is in Metro we got two different bills that we pay uh, and uh, guy from White House, he said, yeah, he says, he checked it out, and we've seen, seen the leak, seen what was coming out of the pipe, busted, uh, he said, but he said, that's on y'all, he said, that's y'all's responsibility, so I called a plumber, and got them out here, and we got that fixed, well, evidently, it was leaking a lot longer than what anybody noticed way back there. Because Kessie got a bill from Metro Sewage for over three thousand dollars, almost three thousand uh, dollars, and uh, she's contacted them. We've sent them the bill that we paid to get that fixed. Now I don't that that still got me concerned because they they claim Metro claims that they come out and look at our water meter from White House. And that's how they get their reading. Well, our bill from the water was was slightly higher, but it wasn't nothing like that. And how in the world they want to tack that kind of bill? So <laughs> they told us, told her, you got to show proof that you've had some work done. We'll see what we can do. So we sent them the day uh, an email of the invoice for what we paid. Uh, uh, to get that leak fixed, but we ain't heard back from them yet, so 
remember that in prayer that we can get that taken care of. And, uh, and uh, Lord of mercy, we need uh, God to handle that situation. Show us faithful for that. All right, remember, no service next Wednesday night. Heavenly Father, we come tonight. We thank you and praise you for the service. Thank you for your word. Help us, God, to grow thereby and follow your precepts, God, because we want your favor in our life. Bless each and every one as they get on the road and head home tonight. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let the church say, God bless you. We love you in the Lord.